Leviticus 15 podcast, where you'll receive Bible study tools and tips in just 15 minutes. Hey there. Welcome to the Focus 15 podcast. I'm Chris Orr. And I'm Katie Orr. And you are listening to episode 10 of season three. Sounds good. Yeah. I think I got that right. Uh, It really doesn't matter. No, nobody's counting except for us, and we're not even doing that. So, <laughs> Yes, we are. Anyway, today we are back to one of our What Do I Need to Know About different books of the Bible. And today we are on Song of Solomon. That's right. It's a very odd book. And That's right. And it's not one that most of us have studied. I think I've read it maybe once or twice all the way through in your reading through the Bible in a year plan, but it's not something I have studied in depth at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that most people are probably there unless they've done. I know there are some great classes out there that some churches do. Um, is it Focus on the Family or is no, it? Tommy Nelson. Yes, Tommy Nelson. Sorry. Uh, and I've heard good things about that um, just as a married couple's class and yeah, yeah, yeah. So... But if you are new to the Focus 15 podcast, we do these uh, about every three episodes or so, so that we can learn different things about the Bible that we might ignore. And this might be one of those those books, especially maybe if you're single or you know just not married right now, and you feel like this is not applicable to me. Um, everything in in the Word is is applicable, and so we are just kind of systematically going through each book, and so. Uh, and when we do these, we usually talk about the three A's, author, audience, and aim. It is something that with every time we come to come to the word, especially if we're coming to a book that we are not familiar with, you know, if you've studied Philippians a bunch of times and you love Philippians and you don't necessarily need to go to the author, audience, and aim every time you read a book or a chapter or a verse in Philippians. But if you are coming to a book of the Bible that you are unfamiliar with um, or, or have never... Or the beginning of a study. Or the beginning of a study, yeah. If, and, and then it's it's a good practice to, to ask yourself, who is the author? Who wrote this book? Mm-hmm. Why did they write it? Uh, and to whom did they write it to? So I did that... Out of order, but it One, doesn't three, matter. Two. It doesn't matter what order yeah. you do it. As in. long as you're answering those questions. Yes. Who wrote it? Uh, what was going on when he wrote it? Why did he write it? Who did he write it to? What was going on in their lives? Uh, what was there a, a reason for writing it? There, there usually is a reason for writing it in a, a situation. A yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I guess what I was trying. I yes. just say stupid stuff on this podcast all the time. I like leave words in my mind. They don't come. They're in my mind, but they don't come out of my mouth. I can tell you that from a preacher's perspective, that happens, and uh, you'd be surprised at what results. So, when we get into the questions, yeah. (laughs) Without further ado, we are going to talk about Song of Solomon. So, let's start with the author, and then any other audience or aim stuff that you know about. Okay, so uh, when we when we're talking about the author of Song of Solomon and its title, it's attributed to Solomon. And so there is some debate, like with every book of the Bible, there's always going to be somebody somewhere who questions, is this really Solomon that wrote it? Um, but the consensus really throughout uh, throughout um, 
all of you know Old Testament scholarship and throughout the New Testament history, uh, new, or the the New Testament scholarship as well, uh, has really always been that Solomon really is the one who wrote it. Now, really, the the question that I think is more debatable is the question of is Solomon the male lover in the Book of Song of Solomon? And so, if you're just generally familiar with um, time out, what? Who is Solomon? Oh my gosh! And why are we talking about lovers? Um, because that's what you told me we were talking about. No, 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 no. I know. I'm just trying to say, if someone's brand new to the Bible, they may not know who Solomon is. Okay, so Solomon is a king of Israel, mm-hmm. and he also wrote the book of Proverbs, um, or at least compiled most of the book of Proverbs. And so, anyway, so he is uh, he's king of Israel. He's um, David, King David's son. Which, of course, begs another question. If you didn't know who Solomon yeah. was, you also wouldn't know who King David, David was. Yeah. And so you got to bring up the whole family line. Yeah. You know, like how far back do we got to go? <laughs> well, you know, maybe so David, I'm answering maybe the, David will kind of, you know, a lot of people have heard David. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. so anyway, so Solomon is king of Israel. He grew up as a prince in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if you ever... He's the one that prayed for a wisdom. Beret. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so he prays for wisdom. God gives him wisdom, and he's known as a very wise person. He writes and compiles most of the book uh, that we know in the Old Testament called Proverbs. He also writes Ecclesiastes Mm -hmm. that we have studied in the past in one of these episodes, and now Song of Solomon. Mm -hmm. And so the 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 basic format of the book is that you have a a man and a woman, and they are kind of calling out to one another. They're describing their relationship, their romance uh, with one another. But one of the things that is, I think, really interesting about the discussion about whether or not Solomon is, in fact, the male lover, is that there is a way that you could possibly read through it and see that, yes, Solomon's a character in the story, mm-hmm. but I think that there's probably a case to be made that he is not the male lover. Um, I believe that he actually is. Um, but if you're somebody who maybe you go to a church and you have studied through this and your pastor taught through it as, as if Solomon's not the male lover, um, I don't think that your answer to the question of whether or not Solomon is in fact the male lover in the story really changes any of the conclusions that you would draw from the study of the passage. But it is interesting to kind of go through and think, well, what if he, what if he was the king in the story, but not necessarily the one who wins the affection of this woman? Because it does sound like the one who wins the affection is not a king, but a, uh, a, a more of an agrarian, like a farmer kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. like an interesting side note. But all that to say, um, is why would, why would there be people who would, who would question whether or not Solomon's a male lover? Well, one of the questions uh, that, that's brought up is that this description of the woman that you see in the Song of Solomon doesn't match the description that we would know as, uh, as uh, Solomon's first wife, which was the daughter of Pharaoh. Um, so here's a here's a, a, a girl who had been brought up as a princess, mm-hmm. who had brought up in nobility in Egypt, and yet the woman in Song of Solomon is from the town of Shulam, which is in Israel. And so it doesn't seem to match the description of his first life. There's a life. lot of her saying, oh, I'm dark, like, mm-hmm. like I'm dark-complected, and my skin is, does it say it's leather? But, you know, it's like these characters, it's it's so someone who would have been in the... The son a lot a working and class person. royalty would yeah. not have been. They'd exactly. been pasty white, and that would have been a beautiful thing. Yeah, so the description <laughs> of the woman in, in the Song of Solomon doesn't mm-hmm. seem to match the description of Pharaoh's daughter. It's also known that Solomon had like 700 wives and 300 concubines. And so people would look at that and they would say, well, why do we need to take what this guy's talking about with, with a marriage 
Um, and seriously, if he's a guy that, you know, thought it was okay to, to, to marry 700 women, um, and to, uh, to have relationships with three, uh, 300 others that he wouldn't marry. Um, so as we, as we think through, through these things, um, one of the things I think is really interesting is that, you know, the question of, is he the male lover? But I think where we all kind of end up on the backside of that is that regardless of where we stand on that, uh, on answering that particular question, I think we can come to these conclusions. And that is that the truthfulness of what's contained in the Song of Solomon is not dependent on Solomon's particular character. Now, we get fooled into thinking about that because even a minute ago, you brought up that here's a guy that prayed for wisdom and therefore he writes the Proverbs. Mm-hmm. So we tend <laughs> to think that the Proverbs have value because of Solomon's wisdom. Um, but we don't really do that with the rest of scripture. We don't say, mm-hmm. well, you know, first and second Peter, they have value because Peter never, you know, made any missteps when it came to being a believer. No, we know Peter's yeah. missteps when it came to, uh, following Christ during the times on earth. But that doesn't mean that we take all those missteps and hold it against Peter when he's writing because the truthfulness of God's word is never based on the, the uh, infallibility of the human author. It's always mm-hmm. based on the infallibility of the divine author. And so even if Solomon is the author and he's the male lover, and I believe that the answer to both those questions is actually yes. But even if we can say, well, here's a guy that doesn't really seem to have a great record when it comes to marriage. Um, it doesn't mean that th- this particular collection of writings is untrue. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about the <clears throat> author, there's a lot that comes into play with Song of Solomon that really other other books of the Bible, when we've studied it, we've just kind of like answered it and said, here's why, and then we moved on. But we've really <laughs> spent a lot of time so far talking about the author. So mm-hmm. that's author is uh, Solomon, most likely also the male lover, but um, good Christians, um, you know, can, can, can dig in, can study mm-hmm. on their own, and maybe come to a different uh, opinion on the answer to that question, mm-hmm. um, but still agree, you know, on, on some more major issues. Mm-hmm. So I believe that with Ecclesiastes... And then we also did Psalms earlier that both of those audiences were the Hebrew people yep. and his subjects, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, his kingdom. Can we assume the same for Song of Solomon? Yes. And um, it's interesting to note that one of the reasons that we believe that Solomon is the author is because of the ta- some of the towns, the cities that are mentioned in uh, in the book. They were particularly still a part of the United Kingdom of Israel during Solomon's reign, which right after Solomon uh, was no longer the king, and after he dies and his son takes over, the kingdom divides. And so the way that Song of Solomon presents those towns is as it's as if they are all a part of the same kingdom, not mm-hmm. the, the, the part of a divided kingdom. And so that's why we believe that not only was it written during Solomon's reign, um, but it was it, so it was written in Hebrew to a people, uh, you know that that Solomon was accustomed to writing for uh, as the as the author of, uh, of of lots of proverbs and lots of songs. This being one of them, and so uh, so yeah, we believe that that the audience would have been the Hebrew people, the subjects in mm-hmm. his kingdom, and that it was definitely <clears throat> written during the if nothing else, at least during the time of Solomon's reign. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this book, if you haven't ever read it, then, you know, it's a good idea to just read it once at least. Uh, It's in the Bible for a reason. But I think these are, this book is often one that it's like, why is this in the Bible? You know, I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people that would ask that. I I heard recently that, that the, I don't know at what 
I forget details, but a long time ago that when when there would be um, men that would be in in the Jewish culture um, being trained to be rabbis, they weren't allowed to read the Song of Solomon until they were a certain age and married. Mm. I can't, I, I should have looked that up to verify it, but that's what I heard a speaker talk about, uh, that because it's so detailed. I mean, you read it and you're like, this feels X-rated. Like I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be hearing this between these two people. And so it's, it's very interesting. So why do you think the Song of Solomon is there? What, what do we, what can we get? Well, I will say it's only X-rated if you kind of read into the poetic language. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so as we think about the aim for why did Solomon include this in here? Or why, why did Solomon write this, and why did the um, why why have believers really for centuries, you know, seen fit to include this mm-hmm. in the canon, the list of books that we believe are really are scripture? Mm-hmm. I think the answer is simply this: that when we think about the Song of Solomon, it, it talks about romantic love in a in a very helpful and biblically um, illuminated way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we can hear from culture. <clears throat> about romantic love or about human sexuality. Uh, but Song of Solomon is one of the places where we can look and we can say, here is sexuality being practiced in the context and the confines of a marriage, and it's being done in a very uh, healthy way. Mm-hmm. Several times in the book, in fact, one of the dominant themes in the book is do not awaken love until it pleases. Mm-hmm. The uh, the woman lover in the the wife in the in the story, she says it countless times to, to her friends. Mm-hmm. And so that tells us uh, several things. One, that it's not good for our hearts to begin to love another person in the way that God created our hearts to love our spouse. It's not good to love another person who is not eventually going to be our spouse in that way. Like, save that kind of love for your spouse. Uh, it's not good for your heart to do that. So it's, you're speaking love like emotionally, not physically? Or, all, I mean, both. All the, I mean, yeah, all I the think above. that it, so, we would obviously include it physically, but I'm wondering if you're including emotionally as well. Yeah. So so the other side of that was don't don't love with your heart until, you're, until your heart's ready, but also mm-hmm. with your body. You know, don't don't love with your body until until you are ready for the um, the the accountability and the confines of a marriage. I've heard it said, and I can't remember who it was, Tim Keller or somebody mm-hmm. that talking about sexuality and said sexuality is like a fire. You keep it in the fireplace, and it keeps the whole house warm. You mm-hmm. get it outside the fireplace, and it burns the house down. Wow. And so we we analogy. tend to think of we tend to think of <clears throat> sexuality as something that we can just practice however we fe- see fit or whatever makes us happy. And the Bible has a very um, uh, a, a very specific place where we are to, to practice that sexuality, mm-hmm. and in so doing, we find a, a a freedom and an enjoyment and a safety that you'll never find in, outside of outside of that context. Mm-hmm. And so, really, the Song of Solomon is about the goodness of romantic love. I mean, you even think about so Solomon. Going back to his first wife, it was almost like an arranged marriage. It was like a political marriage. Yeah, I'm going to marry you because you're the the daughter of Pharaoh, and we can have a political alliance. There's also lots of arranged marriages back in that time, and so we think of uh, you know during that time that arranged marriages that there wouldn't really be a chance for romance. But Song of Solomon is a celebration of romance. So regardless of 
you know, of how the the marriage came together. You mm-hmm. know, regardless of whether it was a, a, a political marriage or, um, or regardless of whether it was an arranged marriage or regardless of whether it was just, hey, I see this person, I like them, I develop a relationship with them, a courtship, you know, and then and that leads to marriage. Regardless of how the marriage is, that's the place where we practice romantic love and romance is celebrated mm-hmm. in the Song of Solomon. And so as we look at the the aim, why is this in the Bible? I think it's the celebration of romantic love, but it's also the the admonition that that romantic love is to be practiced in the confines uh, of mm-hmm. a marriage. And uh, and I will say that going back to the, you know, like you talked about the X-rated, you know, uh, <laughs> descriptions in there, uh, some of those, if you read through it, some of those descriptions, um, they they are very graphic, mm-hmm. and you, if you, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to figure out what's being talked about. Um, but the other thing, it's the, they're descriptions that we wouldn't mm-hmm. use, and so they're kind of funny. So yeah. uh, if you're a guy and you're watching this, I would caution you um, maybe not to, to just – fly out the gate and tell your wife that her her hair looks like a flock of goats and that her neck looks like a tower and that her her nose looks like a I can't remember what he said it like a something like the huge. like yeah there's something something perched on top of a on top of a wall or something like that uh that may not be like the most uh the most helpful way but it is interesting mm-hmm. that um that our descriptions of beauty and the way that we describe beauty um uh, is is different than the way that they describe beauty but we're all describing uh, very similar things. So there's some things that 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 don't ever change. Human nature doesn't change uh, in terms of the fact that we are born bent towards sin and we need redemption. Uh, we need saving from our sin. Uh, but human nature doesn't change. Um, married love, romantic love, really hasn't changed that much from the time of you know Solomon, roughly a thousand years before Christ. There's still this. Um, this desire for one another. Uh, there's a desire for romance. There's a there's a hurt when there when there's a forced separation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know God designed relationships. God designed marriage. God designed sexuality. And really, the rules haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, no. You know, I'm really glad that Song of Solomon is in the Bible because I think there are two extremes. One is the extreme of what Chris was talking about. That well, I can use sexuality however I want. You know, I'm, I'm gonna. There are no rules. There's no right or wrong. I can express myself, and God's good plan is not that doesn't that doesn't line up with God's good plan. That within the confines of marriage, that it is celebrated and it it, it is a good thing. I think the other the other swing though is that it is just a it's a yucky thing. It's a bad thing, no matter what. And there's a lot of people that. You know, there's just that swing of, you know, whatever whatever you want goes and, oh, gosh, good girls don't do that, you know, uh, even within the confines of marriage. And so I think that there are, you know, I don't know what it looks like to be a man, but I think there's a lot of women that struggle with both ways, with holding their heart and holding their body where it needs to be and not letting love awaken before it, what'd you say? Before it, it pleases. Before it pleases. But then also not withholding it when it is right. <laughs> not saying, I just, you know, there's a lot of issues there that we don't even have time to get into. But it celebrates that this is God's good plan, that sex is good. It's not a nasty thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that is to be within um, God's good plan. And it is for our good and for His glory. And so... Anyway, that's it for this episode of the Focus 15 podcast, and we'll be back next week. 
And I think that's all we got. So have a good day. Bye. See you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed these tips, share it with a friend. To learn more about Chris and Katie and the Focused 15 ministry, go to focused15.com. Have a great week.